0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Welcome to this Thursday edition of Washington Watch. Grateful that you have tuned in. Well, coming up, after... No member-elect having received a majority of the votes cast, a speaker has not been elected. Well, after nine rounds of voting and just starting the 10th round, the U.S. House of Representatives they've not been able to reach a consensus on a speaker for the 118th congress how and when will this end people ask me what is the end
2: game how does this end the answer to this question is that this is a dynamic process all of the decisions on this floor result from the coming together of minds one way or another. This is the people's business.
1: And with North Carolina Congressman Dan Bishop earlier today on the House floor, we'll get an update from the House in just a moment when Texas Congressman Pat Fallon is scheduled to join us. Also, the Department of Defense has recent legislation that ended the vaccine mandate for the military. Guess what? Does not apply to National Guard troops. They will still be required to have a COVID shot. Now, Republicans who negotiated the deal and the National Defense Authorization Act are livid. We're going to talk about it later here on Washington Watch. And here's some news. After two years, President Biden said this today.
0: And I will visit the border myself this Sunday in El Paso to
1: assess border enforcement operations, meet with the local officials and community leaders and the folks at the border sending me what they need that they don't have and make it public what they conclude they need, they don't have to try to convince my Republican colleagues they should do something. (laughs) What does the President need to convince the Republicans to do? Isn't this problem of his making? We're going to talk with the former Secretary of Homeland Security and now Chairman for the Center for Homeland Security and Immigration at the American First Policy Institute, Mr. Chad Wolf. And, and, And tell me this doesn't smack of politics. After over six months and nearly 80 attacks on pro-life centers and organizations, do you know how many arrests have been made by the FBI, by the Biden administration? Do you know how many? Now, if you said zero, you would be correct. But do you know that during the same time period, do you know how many pro-life activists have been arrested by the FBI under the Freedom of Access to Abortion Clinic Entrances Act? Do you know how many? Over two dozen. That's right. No arrest in the actual crimes of in some cases firebombing these clinics but really manufactured arrest of pro-lifers who have stood outside of abortion clinics. Yeah. Smacks of politics. Well, one clinic that was firebombed in New York is hiring their own investigators to solve the crime. Daniel Tomlinson with Compassion with Compass Care rather will join me to talk about what they're doing. And yesterday we discussed the FDA's new rule to allow pharmacies to sell the abortion pill without women actually seeing a doctor or being monitored. Well, beyond the obvious concerns about the impact this would have on women's health, there's the question about whether or not big pharmacies would in effect become abortion clinics. We asked whether or not groups like Walgreens and CVS would want to do that. Well, we've got an answer for you. And we've got an action item. Mary Sock, director of the Center for Human Dignity here at the Family Research Council, will join me later. But I'll tell you what, I'll give you a head start. If you want to know the answer to whether or not Walgreens and CVS want to become abortion clinics, text PHARMACY, P-H-A-R-M-A-C-Y, that's PHARMACY, to 67742, and you'll figure it out pretty quick. And finally, stopping woke corporate America. It now appears GOP leaders have awakened to the reality that big business is not their friend. Justin Danhoff, head of corporate governance, Strive Asset Management, is here a little later on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Our word for today comes from Isaiah 48, verses 17 through 19. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants also would have been like the sand and the offspring of your body like the grains of sand. His name would not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. If you would have just listened to me, the Lord says, my word teaches you to profit. My word leads you in the right way. My word brings peace like a river in your life my word establishes righteousness in your life. My word provides a future. I think we should listen to the word of God. To join us in our Bible reading plan, you can go to frc.org slash Bible. Well, despite negotiating through last night and this morning, a group of House Republicans remain steadfast in their opposition to Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. So far, We have gone through nine votes. We are now on the 10th vote without yielding a new speaker for the 118th Congress. Where might this lead us? I think, uh, do we have Congressman Fallon? All right, joining us now, uh, I believe by phone, off the House floor as they are about to vote, uh, as they are voting right now, is Congressman Pat Fallon. He serves on the House Armed Services Committee, the House Oversight Committee. He represents the fourth congressional district of Texas. Pat, welcome back to the program. Pat, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Go right ahead. Okay.
0: No, no, thanks, Tony. So yeah, it's um, we're into God knows uh, what, what. I'm, I'm tenth, the tenth vote. I'm going to have to go in here in a second. I think they're on the C's. And uh,
1: yeah, I'm watching. So that. I'll be
0: voting soon. But you know, listen, we shouldn't even be here, Tony. We had. One person leading our conference for the last two years, and one person for two years running for Speaker. No one else. And I I had a constituent call me and say that they were opposing Kevin McCarthy. So I asked them why, and they said, "Well, because he voted for the infrastructure bill and the omnibus package, and he's very good friends with Nancy Pelosi." None of those things are true. (laughs) He he whipped votes against those things. So there's a lot of true, true, truly, you know, misinformed folks that are really good folks that are believing lies that some people are putting out there. So right now, what we need to focus on is we have an incredible rules package that decentralizes power back to the members. I think it's probably the best rules package that this this chamber might have ever had. And the most important one is there is a consequence if Kevin McCarthy or anyone else becomes speaker and doesn't perform up to conservative standards, they can do a call in the chair. Now it's going to be down to one member, Tony, instead of five we can
1: get there so let's talk about that rules package because that has been at the forefront of this discussion and that's what I've tried to stay focused on here not the personalities and the in the, the the politics but the rules the process by which you and your colleagues come to Washington to represent your constituents where does that stand at present
0: so because Tony you know we came here I came here because I, I know that Washington's broken, and I want limited government, low taxes, reasonable regulation. I want to rein in the debt. I want to secure the border. I want to take on China. So what these rules, some of the very important parts of the rules package that are digestible, is we have a 72-hour rule that means that no legislation, once it hits the floor, can be considered for 72 hours, which gives us time to read the bill. And that hasn't All been happening. Go, and that
1: yes, hasn't been that happening. That has
0: not been happening. Yes. Now, what's been happening is the authoritarian regime, of Nancy Pelosi, has been running trillion-dollar bills in her office. Without the Democrat members that are reconciled, even having um, any input, never mind the Republicans, we never even acknowledge our existence. Uh, but also, all bills will go through the committee process. The, the process is decentralized. We have single subject and germaneness rules now, so you can't have a National Defense Authorization Act and throw something in that has nothing to do with defense. And as I said before. There's a call in the chair. It's now going to be any one member can simply have a call in the chair. And there by are the 20 way, members l- that have. Yeah, go ahead. Sir.
1: L- well, the significance of that is that is how John Boehner was. He he he, he didn't. They didn't go forward with it. But Mark Meadows introduced that um, uh, motion to vacate the chair, and John Boehner stepped aside. So th- this is real. It's practical. It is a means of holding the. the speaker accountable. So I just I just wanted to put that in there for the historical context for our listeners and viewers.
0: Tony, and thank you for that. Absolutely. So any one member and consider that there are twenty members that have made it very clear to the world really that they're very they're highly skeptical that Kevin McCarthy will fall through with his promises to be a very conservative and bold leader like Ronald Reagan was. Okay. So there's a consequence. They can take an action. And if five of those twenty don't like what he's doing, one of them gets to call him here plus the 213 Democrats, because you can rest assured that they're all going to vote to remove any Republican speaker just for the sheer payoff of it all, then that's 218. So Kevin's got to keep his word. I believe he will. I always believe he would. And we wouldn't be here in the majority if it weren't for his efforts. I mean, Tony, he went to 47 different states in this election cycle. and helped raise a half a billion dollars to get us the majority, because the Democrats are always well-funded by their Hollywood elites and their hedge fund folks and
1: et cetera. Pat, Pat let me ask you, I know you're, you're going to have to vote, so just tell me when you got to go. But let me talk process here. So the negotiations to arrive at this rules package, what I've been hearing from some of those who are continuing to 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 hold out is that they're concerned that this won't actually become reality. What's the next step to make sure that these rules are, in fact, in place?
0: Oh, um well, we, we we were all agreeing to it. You know, we have to be a person of our word and we will go in there and we will um, pass this move package. It's the very next vote we have to take. And I have to go in and vote for Kevin McCarthy on the 10th ballot. All
1: right. Thank you, Pat. Right
0: now. Appreciate you joining us. No, no, was bye Pat bye.
1: Fallon of uh, Texas actually going running back into the chamber to uh, to cast his vote in this 10th round. Um, yes. Yeah, historic. I, I again, I, I'm in the same place as I've been talking throughout the day with uh, with members, texting on the floor, talking in between votes with them. Uh, the, the, Pat is correct that they're moving much closer to a very good rules package. And the question is, when do we get to a point where there is consensus? Uh, joining me now, uh, again today, former Georgia Congressman, now Senior Advisor here at the Family Research Council, Uh, Jody Heiss. Uh, Jody, thanks so much for uh, joining us again today. Your your take on where things stand right now.
2: Well, you know, it's encouraging that there is serious talk, it appears, regarding the rules package. Uh, Everything, uh, it it depends upon that, whether or not members are able to represent their districts, represent the people, and for the place to be, as it is called, the people's house. Uh, It's got to change. There's got to be change. Uh, We'll see if the uh, substantive uh, nature of those changes are going to be adequate enough to pull people over to support uh, Kevin McCarthy, as speaker. We'll, we'll see how that begins to unfold. I do know there is some degree of skepticism with that, uh, but I also believe that there are some people that are going to be persuaded that now is the time to begin to move forward. So it's going to be something we're going to keep a clear, very close pulse on and watch as this begins to unfold.
1: Yeah, the the guys I've been talking to today are exhausted through this process, and, and that's it's like Jerry Clower one time telling a story about uh, coon hunting, being up in a tree, and uh, one of the guys was in a fight with a coon, he said, just shoot up here amongst us. One of us needs some relief. Uh, and so I think that's kind of, uh, to borrow from Jerry Clower, I think that's where they're at. Very quickly, Uh, Before we run up against this break in two seconds, the National Defense Authorization Act that the Republicans negotiated to do away with the vaccine mandate, the Department of Defense doesn't apply to the National Guard. Are we going to see backlash here?
2: Uh, I don't see how we avoid backlash, Tony. Listen, our National Guard, our Reserve, they are as much military as any other active duty military. They have been deployed time and time again. Uh, This vaccine mandate needs to apply across the board. It's unthinkable to me that the president would try to play games, is what it appears to be taking place here, with our reserve personnel. The uh, president
1: that, playing games?
2: Oh, come uh, on, Can Jody. you imagine? Can you imagine? Listen, Jody Heiss, a, a we're up, but you
1: me. know what that music means. We're up against a break. Thanks so much for uh, for stepping in, and uh, obviously we're going to continue to watch the process. All right, folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, the president—he's going to the border. After two years. Stick around, we talk about it with the former Secretary of Homeland Security.
3: Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit... FRC.org/Bible.
4: First Peter three fifteen instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online Center for Biblical Worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview.
5: Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, An unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose. Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life.
1: Welcome back. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. Perhaps backed into a corner by two years of record migrant surges, President Biden revealed expanded border control measures today in a White House speech. This is what he said in part. The actions we're announcing today will make things better, will make things better, but will not fix the border problem completely. There's more that has to be done. I laid that out in the first week I was here. That work will not be done unless and until the Congress enacts and funds a more comprehensive immigration plan that I proposed on day one. Uh, Doesn't quite sound like he's ready to embrace the problem and uh, deliver a solution. Looks like he's pointing to Congress. Joining me now to discuss this is Chad Wolf. He is the former acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security in the Trump administration, is now the chairman for the Center of Homeland Security and Immigration at the American First Policy Institute. Chad, welcome back to the program. Good to see you. Yeah, good to
6: see you, Tony. Uh, Your reaction to the president's speech today? Well, I, I listened to the president's speech, and it was, quite frankly, a little confusing and contradictory in times. Uh, there are three main parts to his speech and the measures that he outlined. There, first was he's requesting more asylum officers and more immigration judges. And so, what I take from that is he wants more individuals to process illegal aliens into the country. And this is the the strategy that they have been undertaking for the past 24 months. And so he wants to double down on that, it's the wrong way and it's the wrong approach. The second one was he wants to extend Title 42 to new populations. This is the same president and the same administration that has said out loud. Uh, that they do not support title forty two and in fact they 're before the Supreme Court arguing back in you know in uh, February coming up uh, to dismantle title forty two so if you're the, If your strategy depends on uh, extending title forty two but yet you 're saying you need to eliminate it i 'm not sure what kind of strategy that is at the end of the day and then the third piece is this parole program a parole program that they instituted back in October for Venezuelans that they claim have reduced the number of Venezuelans coming into the country, which may be true, but the overall numbers continue to increase month after month. Uh, So 233,000, I believe, in the month of December. So while they may be limiting the number of Venezuelans coming in, other populations and other demographics are filling that void. So I don't think that the measures that he outlined today are really going to be altogether that impactful. Um, And so I don't hold out a lot of hope. This is a little bit uh, too little, too late. Uh, they need a lot more dramatic actions to get the border under control. Is this just kind of smoke and mirrors, if you will, just to
1: try to deflect some of the angst that's coming forth from the American people and some of their own Democratic governors in these blue cities that have now been uh, the recipients of busloads of uh, migrants that have been uh, brought over uh,
6: compliments of Republican governors? I think that's right. Although it's it's hard to really understand. I think the president was asked why now? Why is he going to the border now? And he gave some strange answer that he he didn't want to go to the border until he understood where Title 42 stood in the courts, which is a very disjointed response. Uh, there's there's no reason that he could not have gone earlier down to the border to talk to the men and women of the border patrol and to really understand what's going on uh, aside from what's going on with Title 42. So it didn't didn't really make any uh, sense or. Uh, Going forward. So uh, I, I think other parts of the speech and other parts of the plan were, again, confusing. He talked about gang violence in Central America is why people were coming to the border for asylum. Someone needs to tell the president that under U.S. law, simply gang violence is not a basis for asylum. It's persecution by your government. And so there are some just some fundamentally factual things that, that the president got wrong. And I think in doing so, I think he kind of signaled to the American people that they're not serious about a strategy and a plan. It really felt like they pulled this together at the last minute. Uh, it feels like his visit to El Paso, same place that Kamala Harris went, uh, is at the last minute on his way to Mexico City. And so I don't feel like it's a uh, a real effort to really understand what's going on. You know, Chad, I, I have to think that you
1: are very frustrated with some of the things you hear from the administration because I, I, I find it disingenuous having gone to the border a a few times, and certainly not down there like you were, but I was there during the Trump administration, and I I saw a transformation that took place with the policies that were adopted that simply sent people back to Mexico. And when my last trip to the border during the Trump administration, it was like a ghost town. They weren't processing anybody. There's a handful of people that were coming across. So for this administration to say they inherited a broken system, uh, to me, just does not, does not stack up to the facts.
6: Well, that that's exactly right. I mean, that's a statement that they have been using now for almost two years. Uh, but to your point, Tony, it's devoid of facts. If you actually look at what we did during the Trump administration is not only did we initiate new policies, uh, but we actually built on previous ones from previous administrations. So if the Biden administration really wants to get a hold of the border and get some control and bring some order back to the chaos, then they'll they'll look what worked. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel, which is what there seems as though they're trying to do. They could just go back to, to policies and programs and plans that actually work. Instead, they want to talk about a parole system where they're going to parole up to 30,000 individuals from now Cuba, Haiti and Nicaragua into the United States. And what they didn't say, and what the president didn't say is by doing that, they they are basically saying that these individuals have no claim to asylum. Because if they did, they would go through the asylum system that the U.S. has set up. Instead, they're going to be paroled into the U.S. for any number of years. Uh, there is no long-term solution there. They're not filing asylum. They're not uh, here. You know, they don't have a hearing before an asylum officer. They're not going before an immigration judge, and so that he's abusing the parole authority, just like um, a previous administration abused deferred action when they created DACA. And so this is—I uh, think this is a program that's going to be challenged in court. Uh, Chad, just 30 seconds left, but politics aside, your biggest concern with this porous border? I think it's uh, the national security interest and the public safety concerns and threats that we see along that border every day. For those of us that work down there and that understand that, uh, that is not reported on a lot in the news and in the numbers that we see here, but we know that Border Patrol agents are, are coming up against some very deadly and dangerous individuals. And the more that they're in processing facilities and not on the line the more risk uh, that the country is at. All right. I, I, I would agree with that. Chad Wolf, great to see you. Happy New Year. Thanks
1: so much for joining us today. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, despite a wave of attacks on churches and pro life organizations last year in the way, wake of the Dobbs decision, guess what? The Biden administration, their FBI,
0: hmm,
1: crickets, not a single arrest. Uh, but they've been busy arresting pro-life activists. In fact, over two dozen have been arrested in the same time period. Well, one crisis pregnancy center is um, that was firebombed is taking matters into their own hand, hiring their own investigators to solve the crime. We're going to talk with them next. away.
5: are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy in the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 12- to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey.
7: They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com.
1: This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. The website TonyPerkins.com. Good to have you with us on this uh, Thursday. Right As the Family Research Council documented in a recent report, attacks on churches last year increased by almost 300 percent compared to just five years ago. But pro-abortion activists aren't just going after churches. Since the leaking of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade last spring, there were 78 attacks, documented attacks, on Christian pro-life organizations and centers. Compass Care, a network of pro-life pregnancy centers in upstate New York, had one of their facilities firebombed back in June. Now, given the apparent disinterest from the Biden administration uh, through their FBI in bringing these terrorists to justice, Compass Care has partnered with the Thomas More Society to hire private investigators on the case. That's right. We now require private citizens to do the job of the FBI, Uh, a job they've refused to do. Oh, I I should say, though, they they probably have been too busy to investigate these known crimes of firebombing because they've been arresting pro-life activists. During the same time period, over two dozen pro-life activists for alleged crimes that date back over a year for standing outside of abortion clinics and praying, they were arrested under the freedom of entrances to abortion clinics Uh, the abortion clinics entrances act face and um, so i guess they were just too busy to arrest those who have been firebombing defacing and threatening and terrorizing pregnancy care centers well daniel tomlinson is the director of communications at the compass care pregnancy services in buffalo new york and he joins us now daniel welcome to uh, the program Dan, Thank you, Tony.
8: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on
9: with
1: you. Well, uh, we should be under better circumstances, but I'm, I'm grateful that you guys are taking this on. Uh, your CEO, Jim Harden, was on the program last June after, one of the, after the facility was firebombed. Remind our, our viewers and our listeners of the damage from that attack.
9: Yeah,
8: so uh, Jane's Revenge, the abortion terrorist group that has perpetrated dozens of these attacks against pro-life service organizations, uh, has uh, uh, firebombed Compass Care's uh, medical office in Buffalo, New York, uh, causing nearly half a million dollars worth of damage, and and, uh, uh, two firefighters were injured uh, in the attack. This was in the early morning hours of uh, June 7th. Uh, It's been 161 days, and no arrests have been made. Uh, And you mentioned the 78 pro-life pregnancy centers that have been attacked by these pro-abortion terrorists. Uh, Nobody has been arrested for any of these attacks across the nation. A national crime spree uh, specifically targeting people because of what they believe, specifically targeting nonprofit organizations because of what they believe about the value of all human life, uh, including those in the
1: womb. Have you experienced uh, additional threats since that time?
8: Yeah, so Compass Care has three uh, pregnancy centers, uh, in-person pregnancy centers, one in Buffalo, New York, one in Rochester, New York, and one in Albany, New York, as well as an online telemedicine platform that serves all of New York uh, State, the abortion capital of the U.S., and uh, the threats are ongoing. We've increased security at all of these locations with cameras and other uh, other um, uh, measures, and the, the threats are ongoing, uh, both from the pro-abortion terrorist groups uh, in terms of their promising that a uh, f- few further attacks are not going to be so easily cleaned up as, uh, a fire and graffiti, uh, basically making death threats against, uh, the, uh, pregnancy centers. And, uh, the threats are ongoing with, uh, big tech actively censoring pro-life service organizations like Google, um, and Yelp, both actively censoring pro-life service organizations. And then we have, uh, pro-abortion politicians pushing a rabid, uh, pro-abortion agenda, uh, talking about how, uh, pregnancy centers are peddling misinformation. Uh, Elizabeth Warren going so far as telling that all pregnancy centers everywhere should be shut down because we are torturing women. Uh, it's right. it's interesting to see it's interesting to see how pro-abortion politicians, uh, the pro-abortion lobbying group, and these these this terrorist group, this domestic terrorist group, are all using the exact same language, uh, talking about misinformation, dangerous and
1: misleading, uh, torturing women, all this type of stuff. Daniel, I want to ask you about the the FBI had the video evidence and they kept it for quite some time. And you had to, you know, I think you even had to file suit to get that back. Um, what have you heard from the FBI? Have they since have they decided they're going to help you, or where's that stand? Have you had any further communication with the FBI?
8: Yeah, so the FBI has been extremely reticent uh, to communicate uh, until after the midterms. Then all of a sudden, they started communicating with us uh, again. And um, uh, they they went so far as earlier this summer telling Compass Care's uh, CEO, Jim Harden, that the the officer on the case said, I'm not going to talk to you again. Uh, But then after relentless pressure uh, from Compass Care, from some, some, uh, unfortunately not very many media centers, um, as well as from the House Judiciary Committee. This was really the kicker. Within, within, within a day of the House Judiciary Committee uh, publishing a 1,000-page report on the politicization of the FBI, specifically citing their abdication of duty to arrest these domestic terrorists that are attacking pro-life service organizations, within the day, that same FBI uh, investigator who said, I'm not going to talk to you anymore, <laughs> the Compass Care CEO, was, was in contact and wanted to meet.
1: Well, it's going to be very fascinating to to watch this. I, uh, I, I hope and uh, pray that you're successful in the investigation and that you come up with evidence because it's not only going to benefit you, but it's going to. Be, and I know you're actually looking at these crimes all across the country. It's going to benefit care pregnancy centers all across America. Uh, sorry you have to do this. Uh, but under this politicized administration, it's unfortunately uh, where we are. But uh, we'll uh, we'll keep tracking this. Daniel, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for having me on. All right. Coming up, I discussed this on the program yesterday, and it appears that CVS and Walgreens are preparing, are preparing to join the abortion industry now that the FDA has changed its chemical abortion rules. We're going to talk about it next and What You Can Do Don't go
7: White. What is biblical masculinity?
5: This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit FRC.org slash internships to apply.
1: This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Thursday afternoon. All right, go ahead and jot this down because you're going to need it. The word pharmacy, it's P-H-A-R-M-A-C-Y, and the number 67742. I'm going to tell you more about that in a moment. On the program yesterday, I mentioned that the FDA had changed its rules in order to allow retail pharmacies to sell chemical abortion pills. And we, we talked about on the air whether or not pharmacies like CVS and Walgreens would take the step of becoming really an outpost for the abortion industry becoming, in in essence, abortion clinics, because they would be dispensing abortion pills. Well, according to reports, both major chains plan to seek certification to be able to sell these abortion pills, despite despite the long history of medical complications that they cause that we talked about yesterday, you know, folks. We can't accept this. I mean, are you you going to go into a pharmacy and do business the same place that they are, in effect, operating as an abortion clinic? Um, I'm not. I'm not. And that's why FRC Action has organized a petition effort to make your voice heard. Join me now to discuss this and how you... Can be a part of it is Mary Sock, director of the Center for Human Dignity at the Family Research Council. Mary, welcome back to the program.
9: Thank you so much for having me on, Tony.
1: Mary, this is kind of disappointing uh, that CVS and Walgreens are both um, putting forth uh, an effort to become, I mean, I I can't describe it any other way, in effect, they're becoming the substitute abortion clinics that uh, have closed down over the years.
9: That's right, Tony. We know that over 50% of the abortions performed or carried out in America are now chemical abortions. And and we know that these abortions are four times as dangerous for women as the already incredibly dangerous surgical abortions, with the major complications being hemorrhage, incomplete abortion, and, and the need for blood transfusions. Um, and And what we're seeing here is that Walgreens and CVS are stepping up and, and performing the exact same action as Planned Parenthood. They're they're selling abortion drugs uh, to to women or or to human traffickers. There's there's all sorts of issues with this where Walgreens and CVS have have essentially become an, a branch of the abortion industry.
1: Now this is a process. We talked about this yesterday. They have to be certified to do this, but they have indicated. Uh, Reports indicate and we're trying to clarify it. We're sending communications to CVS and to Walgreens to verify this. But according to news reports, they are going to seek certification to become, again, in effect, abortion uh, facilities where they will provide this abortion uh, pill. Obviously, they, they won't be doing the follow-up. Of course, no, the b- abortion clinics don't do that either. The, the women are on their own once they take the pills. So tell us about the petition FRC Action has organized and how people can participate.
9: Well, this is a petition that's at frcaction.org slash abortion drugs. And, and it's one where you can, can take action here and tell Walgreens and CVS, we don't want you to become an abortion business. We want you to stay a pharmacy. There's all sorts of issues with chemical abortion drugs. They're incredibly dangerous for women, and every single one of them takes the life of an unrepeatable, beautiful child of God. And and when, and when a pharmacy, a place that is meant to be a place of healing, to administer medication that sustains and promotes life, turns into an abortion business, one that is destroying life, we, we have a major problem. And so this is the time for the American people to step up and, and to use their voice to tell these companies, say no, say that we're not going to become abortionists.
1: Yeah, so true. Uh, well said. So, folks, here's this is one of those situations where, you know, people ask all the time, what can I do? How can I make a difference? Well, here it is. Uh, this is a petition that will go to CVS and to and go to Walgreens. You can either go to FRC Action or simply text the word PHARMACY, that's P-H-A-R-M-A-C-Y, to 67742. And you'll get a link, and it'll take you directly to that petition, which you can fill out, and we will make sure that they get it. Again, PHARMACY, text the word PHARMACY to 67742. And we're going to keep you abreast of this, because this is... Mary, this is quite significant because we've seen success in the pro-life movement of changing hearts and minds. And in and, and abortion clinics, they, they've shut down because they're profit oriented and they want to make money and they're not making the money. So they're going to a drug. They're going to this abortion pill. And as you said, over 50 percent of abortions now are performed drugs and I don't know this for certain, but I can speculate knowing how this administration works. I have no doubt, given how quickly uh, CVS and Walgreens announced that they were going to seek certification, that they've been in discussions with the Biden FDA uh, prior to the announcement of the rule change. And they're preparing for this. And this is what the left wants. They want an abortion clinic on every corner. And that is, in essence, what will happen.
9: That is and. And the other thing that Walgreens and CVS will listen to in addition to a petition like this is they'll listen to their pocketbook. And so for all of our viewers out there, boycott these pharmacies until they decide that they will not become an arm of the abortion business. And that, that sends a clear message and one that we know organizations have listened to in the past.
1: Yeah, you're right. Mary Sock, thank you so much for uh, for joining us and we're obviously gonna stay on this and continue to track it.
9: Thanks for having me, Tony.
1: All right, again, you can text the word pharmacy to six seven seven four two six seven seven four two, 67742, and uh, that'll take you to a link. Follow the link over and you'll be able to sign that petition. All right. Joining me now to uh, to give his take on this move by CBS and uh, Walgreens is Justin Danhoff, head of corporate governance at Strive Asset Management, who is one of the nation's leading corporate activists with vast experience in shareholder engagement and proxy voting and has been holding woke corporate America accountable. Justin, welcome back to uh, Washington Watch. Good to see you. It's great to
10: see you, Tony. I appreciate the, uh, the honor of joining you on this topic. It's very important.
1: So let's talk about this. Uh, You know, we just announced this just uh, this is we're just now putting this out, this petition to show Walgreens and CVS that there's opposition to their selling these pills. What other tactics do you recommend that would get the attention of these uh, big pharmacy chains?
10: Yeah, well, you know, every couple of years in America, we hold political elections on in the month of November um, and actually. There are thousands of elections that take place every year that have just as much effect, I would argue, on our collective culture. And these happen at annual shareholder meetings. And so I think that the shareholders of CVS and Walgreens really need to show up because you know who's on those ballots. It's not presidents and congressmen and senators. It's the board of directors. And these are very cushy positions. You have, you know, six, seven meetings a year. You fly around in private jets. You get paid six or seven figures for, you know, the doing very very little work frankly, but the shareholders have that vote and the ability to hold these board members accountable if you want to speak up for your values and your beliefs with your voting dollars.
1: Hey, you are seeing progress on this front. This is something you've been doing for a while and it, to, and i've been watching this transformation of big business i used to be a big supporter of business when i was in office because their values pretty much aligned with me free free markets you know they did their business they left their everything else alone but now they've moved into pushing what is described as this woke agenda there is a, an awakening that appears to be taking place among conservative republican lawmakers and i think uh they use the term divorce but there's certainly a division that's coming and i i think big business is gonna I, I i think they're they're in for a shock in my view
10: yeah i think that's right and i think it's because they stepped out of line with the system that the founders created i want to like echo something that mary said that americans need to use their voice because our founders set up a system that gave everyday citizens a voice and that was through voting for politicians that would go to state houses and go to Washington, D.C., to advocate on behalf of our values. And one part of that tripart system was then the judiciary, where we gave our president the authority to appoint, then through the approval process of the U.S. Senate, a Supreme Court. And so the people have used their voice and spoken at the ballot box, through their constituents, and then through those appointed judges. And so what's happened is corporate America has interjected themselves in our tripart system of government and they've stolen the voice of everyday citizens by acting as an emperor and making decisions on behalf of them when they were never part of the system to begin with.
1: But historically the these corporate these big corporate giants have sought favorable regulatory and tax policy from uh, Republicans, who, as I said, we believe in free markets. Uh, we, you know, we don't like a lot of regulation, but they've been taking their profits then and and giving them away and sowing them into leftist ideas when it comes to governance, uh, the environment, and social policy. And you have governors like uh, Ron DeSantis that are saying, "Enough, enough. Uh, we're not going to. We're we're not going to help you." and hand you a club to beat us over the head with.
10: Yeah, that's right. I think that state actors have a really important role to play in this situation. We've seen for, you know, more than a decade plus, uh, CalPERS in California, for example, the New York Comptroller in New York, they've taken very activist positions with the money of the pensioners in those states, uh, whether it's putting up board members or shareholder proposals to push their pet ESG causes. Well, I think there has has been an awakening that red state money doesn't have to follow the same line that they can use those pension funds to vote the values and engage with corporations on the values of the pensioners in those states as well. And I I find it very welcome. um, But action has to be taken. It can't be political grandstanding. So I encourage you, you know, these states to take a look at their voting behavior and really dig in and see. How the votes they're making, again at thousands of meetings every year, are affecting our collective
1: culture. Okay, so let's um, let's let's talk about the individual, the the our average viewer out here who sees this, concerned about it. You know, we've lost many of the institutions. The long march through the institutions, corporate America, that was based upon, again, free market principles, uh, was kind of the last, but it seems to be. F- Folding in the face of uh, you know all this uh, wokeism, what can the what steps should our viewers and listeners take to 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 be a part of the solution?
10: Yeah, sure. So first of all, you know, obviously what, what you and Mary are doing is incredibly important and impactful. Um, so I, I would want to, <laughs> I would encourage folks to to, to join up with what you're, you're 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 engaging with. But also every every business has a customer relations line. And CVS and Walgreens, they should be answering a call every five seconds tomorrow, if not every second, from everyone listening to your show. If they're a customer of, because it's hard to be have any pharmacy in America that's not Walgreens or CVS, right? They're generally the, you know, they're the largest, they're the most convenient to get to. And so, if you're a customer, if you're a consumer, call them. If you're an investor, call the investor relations line. Again, that should be, you know, spotlighted all day, every day tomorrow. And, again, every day until they change their decision-making process. Because, as you rightly pointed out, they were very likely engaged with the other side on this issue before they made their decision to, to announce that they were going to use Um which, again, Mary rightly pointed out, over 50% of abortions are performed this way. And I'm afraid, Tony, I'm very afraid for the future if this goes forward at CBS and Walgreens that number is going to skyrocket.
1: Yeah. 70 so, so the talking process here, Dan. So I, I'm convinced that they because they were prepared. They rolled out an announcement that they were seeking certification under the new rules. And, and these rules are so extensive. It takes you a while just to read through them. So to be able to say, yeah, we're, we're seeking certification tells me they, they were in conversations. They knew what these rules looked like. Would this have been something that they would have taken to their board, the, the CEO? Would he have taken this to the board of directors of, uh, of Walgreens or CVS, or is this something that uh, is con- considered something that the, the CEO would have done on his own?
10: It's, it's very likely the CEO did this on their own. Um, I, I, I would be shocked if this reached the board level, um, and that's why we should be reaching out to the board because the board can hold the CEO accountable. They're one of the very few actors, but the board is accountable to the shareholders, right? It's sort of, it it is sort of like a democracy in that way. Like, you know, just like politicians are responsible to the American electorate, the shareholders with one or two shares, you don't have to be a large shareholder. You can have a lot of sway in the decision-making of corporate leaders. We just need to actually engage and vote in ways that reflect your
1: values. Good guidance, uh, and we're getting right on that, and we're going to start compiling that information and get that out to uh, to our folks. Dan, always great to see you. Thanks so much for, uh, Justin, thanks so much for joining us. Great job. Uh, always appreciate uh, having you on the program.
10: Thank you, Tony. Have a good one.
1: All right. Uh, Justin Danhoff, uh, an expert at what he does. So glad he's on our side. All right, we're going to get that information for you. We're going to get uh, those phone numbers and uh, the board members, but in the meantime, Go ahead and sign that petition, Pharmacy, to 67742. Text the word Pharmacy to 67742. You'll get a link. Follow the link over, and uh, you can sign the petition. you also go to FRC Action. Look, um, this is something we've got to weigh in on. As he said, this is important. Until next time, I leave you once again. With the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.
0: Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported.